You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It. Welcome to 2018. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to a lot of things. Uh, you'll probably hear a bunch of episodes before you hear this one, but this is our first official recording of the new year. Pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, my name is Koji. I am uh, a part-time barbecued meats enthusiast. And uh, I don't even know. Full-time what? Uh... What are barbecued meats enthusiasts? Yeah, <laughs> also full-time barbecued meats enthusiasts. To be honest with you, I've done next to nothing this <laughs> holiday. Ooh, and full-time classic car enthusiast. Ooh, yeah, soon. Can't wait to see this soon. And with me, as always, is my good friend and master beekeeper, Andrew Patterson. Let's see what you did there. Uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. This isn't a New Year's themed episode. Last year we did a New Year's themed one, right? Didn't mm-hmm. we do the movie New Year's and uh, yeah, Hudson? Was it Hudsucker Proxy? Yeah, yeah. Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, that was a good one. Fuck, that was a year ago. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that Hudsucker is Proxy is sick. Yeah. Um, but this movie is uh, a bunch of recent movies um, for the new year, I guess. Like still in theaters or have just been released, I guess, because although Bright, I think you can maybe watch in theaters and in, in like LA or something because Netflix releases all of their movies to theaters so that they're eligible for the uh, for the uh, awards. I see. They do like the limited... I didn't know that. Um, the most limited run, you can do like two weeks or something in theaters so that they can be eligible for like uh, Oscars and stuff. Cool. Um, but yeah, so just to be clear, this week's episode is... The hidden gem, I, Tanya. And it's kind of a hidden gem. I mean, most people have heard of it or know about it, but, like, it's not readily available. Like, I don't know that there's many theaters playing it. Um, I don't know many people who have seen it. Yeah, I've seen the trailer quite a bit in front of other movies, and people are like, oh, interesting. But, like, I definitely feel like it's a movie that not a lot of people will see. Like, do you know anyone who's seen it yet? No. Yeah. Um, And the You Gotta Love It is the movie that has been panned by critics everywhere and somewhat lauded by fans, uh, Netflix's Will Will Smith's Bright. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so let's start with the hidden gem, as we do. I, Tanya. For those of you who don't know or maybe too young to know or whatever the situation is, weren't around to know, uh, it is a movie about Tanya Harding, the Olympic figure skater, the first woman to do... Sorry, the first American woman to do the triple axling competition. I think the first woman ever was a Japanese woman, actually. Um, But also off the ice, uh, kind of known, and she describes herself in the same way as a redneck. And the skating community not did not love her. You know, so this movie they didn't love it. No, this movie is about her life and uh, what she had gone through, but also the giant incident surrounding her life, which is um, somebody in her camp arranged for Nancy Kerrigan, another Olympic figure skater, medalist as well, to get her legs bashed in 
potentially career-ending injury. Um, so, like, they took out a hit, essentially. And so this whole movie is about her life leading up to that point and slightly, you know... A little bit like after, a, yeah. A postscript or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so that's the movie. It's interesting that that's kind of just, like, one... I guess it's kind of the focal point, but, like, it doesn't didn't feel to me like it was about the incident. No. Like, like a lot of the movie passes before it gets to the point where it's like, oh, like everybody's saying, they show like all the characters and they all just mm-hmm. say the incident, you know? Like right. everybody has a different take on it. But it's a, it's a lead up to that though, I think. Well, yeah. Cause, it, I mean, understandably, that was yeah. like the, clearly the peak of public, I, I, her being in the public eye. But I think the point of the movie is to explain how they got there. Yeah, for right. sure. Right? Like it's not about that happening in the aftermath or the lead up or you don't even sort of see about Nancy Kerrigan up, she's in like two scenes yeah it's more about you know who this person is and how the this crazy situation could have even ar- arisen in the first place yeah great movie um so i mean how do we even begin to summarize it you know uh well it's done in a really interesting way my understanding is that what Sorry, I just saw like a really bright flash, and oh. I was like, "What if Sash was okay there?" It's uh, it's done in a similar fashion to like The Big Short or something. I think. Yeah, almost. it's like uh, there's a lot of breaching the fourth, fourth wall. wall. There, it's the way the movie is structured is like they basically, I guess, did a series of interviews with all of the players involved in real life. Mm-hmm. So some of the facts are like corroborated, like this is how it happened, but a lot of it is sort of like they piece together something based on conflicting. Uh, retellings of the events and and descriptions of what happened that are clearly colored by each person's personality or motives or you know what I mean so right. but the movie takes that into account so you see the the movie is structured through a series of interviews with actors playing the real characters right and then narrative scenes that kind of weave those all together. But it's like very, cl- at any given moment, you're not sure really what the truth is for a lot of the, you know, the, thi- you know, like crucial points because even the characters playing, the actors playing the the real people have like conflicting opinions. Yeah. A lot of the times, like there's a famous scene that's in the preview where Tanya Harding looks right at the camera and says, this never happened. Yeah. She's got the shotgun. Yeah. She like chases him out of the house. Yeah. Uh, and then like there's a sequence where she's training after her first sort of like up and down her first peak and valley of her career she's training and she's like taking it really seriously and yeah. the person that was her trainer looks at the camera through every sequence of her training and just like is like oh she really did this and yeah. then like and this and like so on so it's really it's really interesting storytelling I was saying to Koji quite a bit that this movie because of the way that it's got a, a great soundtrack it's nothing that like if you're not like 13 years old, you haven't heard before. Right. Um, but, you know, there've been a lot of movies recently really playing up that sort of like guardians playing up a particular era of music. Yeah. yeah. And the music takes a very, it takes a front seat. It's not in the background and only in one or two sequences. It's like the music has equal weight to right. a lot of what's happening. Well, um, so much of, I think ice dancing or whatever your figure skating is right. music related. So, um, and her especially, right? Because one of the things that made her sort of like the bad girl of figure skating was her music selection was not yeah. what they wanted. Yeah, I think so. This movie, in a lot of ways, reminded me of like a modern blow in that 
it's I feel like the storytelling is done in a very similar way. I haven't seen Blow in years, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Blow has parts where they're narrated. Yeah. Like somebody looking back. Um and also it has all of these very uh the use of music in that movie was amazing. And there are so many moments like when he's walking through the airport, Black Betty's playing. Yeah. You know, and that I was saying how that scene in that movie has stood out to me so much. It made such an impact on me when I first saw that movie that now whenever I hear that song, I just automatically picture that. And this movie has a lot of moments like that, I would argue. Right, right, right. Um, There's a great sequence with, I'm not even like the biggest Fleetwood Mac fan, but there's an amazing sequence with Fleetwood Mac. Uh, I don't know. It's just like, it's just a really, it's just a really well put together movie, you know? Like it's just like a quality flick, great performances in it. Yeah. Um, great performances. Uh, there's lots of Oscar chatter, uh, you know, movies that come out towards the end of the year, particular movies of this type. Yeah. Get a lot of... Uh, the Mom, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, Alice and Janie. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And, like, totally hateable character, too. Like, I, everyone... There's no... No one is likable in this film. I mean, you feel bad for... Yeah, there's sympathy. For Tanya Harding, because her life was not great and she's like kind of stuck with all these people sort of making her life way harder Mm -hmm. and and essentially ruining her life Mm -hmm. but uh just everyone is awful even even the guy that seems dim-witted at first Mm -hmm. you're like oh this fucking dimwit who's like thinks he's bigger than he is or whatever yeah like when he has that scene with steve gluley or whatever and he's like Oh, you didn't think I could do this? Yeah. Well, I fucking did. You're yeah. just like, what the f- <laughs> yeah. fuck, what, man? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, you're just seething through lots yeah. of scenes of the movie. Just, uh, And there's a lot of great scenes with uh, Bobby Cannavale. Oh, yeah. okay. Where he pl- he plays a guy that was like a reporter following all this stuff for like a, basically like a trash mag. Yeah. Uh, and he just is consistently pointing out how stupid. Uh, but like the the scene where they show the, he's like, oh, the scene where they show the, uh, he puts the tape in the VCR behind him. And yeah, he's talking about the guy that the guy that ambushed the guys that ambu- that like actually carried out the attack on Nancy Kerrigan. He's like, he parked outside of the wrong arena. Moved his car, I, I every, moved 15 his car every 15 minutes to avoid suspicion. And it's yeah. just like closed circuit TV camera recording of this car in an op- mostly empty parking lot moving to yeah. a different spot every like couple seconds because it's sped up. And you're just like, oh, anyway, it, it's almost mind boggling. And maybe that that's why they made this movie. Yeah, Because it's not just a, again, it's not just about the incident, but it's almost mind boggling how the people behaved in like not the characters in this movie, but like how the people in the actual event mm-hmm. or whatever in her life behaved. It's, it's almost unreal to the point where you're like, Oh, they must have like played this up for the film. Yeah. But then at the end of the movie, you see some of the real interviews and you're mm-hmm. like, Holy shit. Yeah. Holy the shit. Dude, the dude that, you know, when the dude breaks the window with his head after he's attacked by Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. I was just doing research just to, like online, like, you know, not yeah. in-depth research to like what, what parts of the story are true. Right. And apparently that happened. Wow. Like he b- ran through a door <laughs> that was locked. I mean, anyway, whatever. I don't, who knows? Like I'm not, 
I wasn't there, you know? I yeah. don't know. But like this movie, you're just like, oh. Uh, but like given everything that... Uh, Margot Robbie did a great job. Oh, amazing. And she doesn't even look like Margot Robbie. But given everything that like happened in this movie or not even... Forget about the movie. Given everything that happened in the whole Tanya Harding everything, I suspect that the way this movie tells the story is probably pretty close to how it actually went down. Because if you... Like I've known some not professional athletes, but some people who were, um, you know, they were swimmers or whatever, trying to get into university. And then once in university to keep their scholarships, this was American universities to keep their scholarships were swimmers. Mm -hmm. And like knowing what their life was like, Mm -hmm. there wasn't much time for anything. Like not even, there was barely time for friendship, let alone, you know, planning a a, a caper, you know? So I imagine that a lot of it just played out like, you know, her boyfriend's like, oh, we're going to go do this thing. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. Like, yeah, just leave me alone because yeah. I have to fucking practice, practice for the Olympics. Just do what you want. Yeah. What you is know? it? That part where she says uh, where it's like her, the three of them are at the arena and she's like skating. And the, yeah. and the, the guy asks her a question and she says she said she gets like a saying wrong. Yeah. And he like corrects her on it. And she's just like, what? Yeah. And he like corrects her on it again and she fucking loses it. Yeah. And just unloads everything on him. She's like, I don't give a fuck. Like you fucking lose it. Like just yeah. says all this shit and then just like goes back to skating. I was just like, Whoa, so much pressure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so Did this movie make you I mean you already kind of said it did, but did this movie make you feel more sympathetic for Tony Harding than maybe you did knowing just the incident itself without knowing much of the the details of it? Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I remember when it when it happened, mm-hmm. you know, like hearing it on the news and whatever. I had no idea. I mean, I remember it happening, but I, I have no recollection of her being not well liked before mm-hmm. this. Obviously, I was pretty young, but like I didn't know about the whole like, oh, she's not fit for figure skating. And I had no idea that her husband was abusive. I didn't know any of those things either. But I also, I guess I was young enough and was not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And my understanding more or less of the event was not even that other people were involved. Yeah. That's how that's how wrong I had what happened. Like in my head, it was just like based on news clippings and like popular culture, like she did it. Yeah. Like she physically after practice, like bashed in this girl's knee. Well, they address that. Yeah. In the movie. They're like, totally. oh, so, some people think I did it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They do. But like the, the movie really made me. So what I, one of the things I liked about this movie is like for better, or for worse, like, and the comedic element, like everything in this movie, it's still, I came away from it being like, I actually learned something who knows there's still so many things that I don't know what's true or what, you know what I mean? But yeah. overall, just from like a bunch of different perspectives, I came away from this with a better understanding of who this person was and like what went down, you know, which I think is kind of like maybe not for all movies, obviously, you know, there's movies that are just for pure entertainment, but like it's, that's like, I think a good thing. I think that like people should see this movie because it's not like it's going to change your life knowing what really went down, but just again, just understanding all the elements of play, you know, like there's a lot of serious stuff that touches on like abuse and like just all kinds of crazy shit. It's pretty interesting. Not that it's even like the outcome is even in the same sort of ballpark but it it almost reminds me of the disaster artist yeah in that you get a window into this person who everyone views as one dimensional or like not even views as one dimensional but only knows 
or only really thinks about one thing when they think about that person. Yeah. And you kind of get an idea of uh, maybe a better idea of what that person might actually be like, you know? And, uh, it's, yeah, it's good. I think, uh, spoiler alert here, cause I'm going to mention a sequence at the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You've had enough time to press pause. One of the things that I loved that was not subtle at all. Yeah. Was, uh, when it's showing sort of in the aftermath, like later on in her life when she's boxing. Yeah. She gets knocked to the mat and there's all that blood and she's just like looking at the camera, like the way the movie ends basically. Yeah. And it looks like she's like down for the count, right? Yeah. But she gets back up and how that is like symbolic, like so obviously symbolic of like her being knocked down, repeat, you know, like regardless of all the crazy shit that was happening to her. Yeah. And like in her life, she's done so many crazy things, but like, you know, like setting land speed record while she was pregnant, like boxing, like all this crazy stuff that she did. Yeah. And it's kind of like just shows it kind of sums up her as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once again, I keep saying for better, for worse in a lot of things in this movie, but she's the kind of person that like she gets knocked down and she just gets back up. And it was like such a fitting way, like note 10. And then you just see yeah. her feet as she likes just uh, so sweet. Very chumbawamba. Yeah. What is it's good? Is there music playing? Yeah. Coming from your phone, isn't it? I thought what? you were looking something up. Oh, weird. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> All that barbecue, man. Ghost in the machine there. Oh, okay, before we move on to our You Gotta Love It, did you know that the Golden Globes are tonight? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I don't really watch a lot of award shows, I'll be honest. Tonight they is annoy the, me. me either, but I'm, I'm always curious as to what you know what gets nominated, what wins, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, before I get into that, though, buns. You know, get in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, all that other Start good the New stuff. New York, right. You got a bunch of shit you don't want from Christmas? Yeah. You know, I was on there the other day and I saw a signed Apple Red vinyl of Kendrick Lamar's Damn. Signed by Kendrick Lamar. And That's it's, a legit thing. It is a legit thing because it was bought as a package, like a pre-order package. It's I not, have it. It's not just like he met the guy and, and, you know, some bullshit signature or whatever. It's like, yeah. Anyway, so if you're into that sort of stuff, I can get right on there. But um, Sam Rockwell won Best Supporting Actor for Three Billboards Outside Missouri. Yeah, I really want to see that. I still haven't seen it. It's on the server. Wait, the awards have already happened. Aren't they happening right now? They are happening right now. And Nicole Kidman has won Best Actress in a miniseries for Big Little Lies. Yeah, I heard so many good things about that show. Well, there's a lot going on. We're going to maybe have some good hidden gems. Well, not even hidden gems, but just lots of good stuff to watch. Hidden gems in the same way that I, Tanya, is probably a hidden gem. Like... I think a lot will come out of this and people won't have seen them. Like, I still think a lot of people haven't seen, um, oh, what won the Oscar last year? Why, why am I drawing a blank? Moonlight? Yeah, Moonlight. I, I can see the poster with the the face. But yeah, yeah I still think poster. a lot of people haven't seen Moonlight. Yeah, that movie's fucking you know? sick. It's kind of, not a hidden gem, but it's like a... Un- under the radar. No, yeah. not even under the radar. I don't it's, know. It's on the radar, but it's like... Under not underappreciated isn't even right. underviewed, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, however, underutilized. Um, but anyway, the you gotta love it for the week uh, is a Netflix original, directed by uh, David David Ayer. Uh, yeah, uh, David Ayer, uh, who also directed um, Training Day and uh, End of Watch. Yeah, very important because I think a lot of that comes into play in this movie. Um, yeah, this movie is basically Bad Boys meets End of Watch, but 
meets Lord meets, of the Rings. Meets Lord of the Rings, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Netflix original film, probably massive budget, the most the, expensive the, the most movie expensive, yeah. they've they've produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, to very poor reviews, but very great success. I think. Yeah, it. A lot of people watched that movie. Yeah, a, a lot. A lot. <laughs> like a lot of people. Uh, like a lot of people. Like how many people? I, I don't know, know but, but l- let me let me just see here what its current Rotten Tomato score is because uh, when I first looked it up uh, for us, because I was I wanted to do it for the podcast, but I wasn't sure if it was a hidden gem or, or what. Um, I it, watched it before you proposed it. Yeah, it was eighteen percent, I believe. Wow! How, wow! Yeah. Um, it is currently sitting at oh oh it's oh, gone up. Fuck! I just got it. Lillard is out. Fuck. I'm not doing good this week in basketball. Fantasy, fantasy basketball, ladies and gentlemen. I, I am. It's like 8-1, not in my favor. Yeah, you know who you're playing? Yeah, Burke, I thought. Oh, I thought it was my dad. My dad's beating somebody 8-1, and he has been reminding me every day uh, of the week. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, maybe up 8-1. It's, no, it's Space Jam. I think it's Mark. Oh. Ooh, Fuck. good. Yeah, beat him. No, oh, no he's, he's beating, beating me. you. Fuck. I need, uh, I need DeRozan, man. I need him to have a... Uh, uh. Okay, we're riddled, getting off track here. Riddled with injuries. But uh, oh yeah, okay, so Brett, now it's at 28%. But what's interesting, though, is the the audience score is 87%. I liked this movie. I really liked it. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was great. Like, I don't know. What, like, you'd have to be a real curmudgeon to watch this and be like, this is fucking stupid. Like, going into it, knowing what it is. Yeah. Like, if you saw the trailer, they say magic wand in the trailer. Right. Okay, so just talking about the things that we love, first of all, even if you took out all the fantasy of this film, yeah. it is essentially training day... With a weapon of mass destruction. ...meets bad boys. I'm I not, not bad boys, sorry, end of watch. Die hard. Okay, yeah, sure. And, and the reason I say that is because, like, they're not friends at the beginning, but it's not like, in the end, it's one versus the other. They learn to, to sort of work to together. Coexist, yeah. But it has the same sort of weird grittiness as, of, yeah. as End of Watch. Yeah. You know? they're, Where they're yeah. like stranded in this neighborhood like, oh, we're fucked. We need to get out of here. Yeah. Right? Which is essentially the, the plot for End of Watch. Yeah. And then you add in um, the magic and the dude from the Mindy Project. You know? The, yeah. The guy who's just like, it's a fucking magic wand. You want a bigger dick? <laughs> yeah. It's fucking right there. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. whatever it is that he says. Yeah. And the way they treat it is like, I love that. I love when they, oh, all right. Yeah. So I, I mean, the way they treat the, the magic in this universe is it's great. The, okay. The, the premise of this movie, if you don't know, is basically, oh yeah. Yeah. We should start there. It takes place. Uh, so here's, it takes place in a, in a parallel universe where mankind has coexisted with like mythical beings like fairy creatures and dwarves mm-hmm. and elves and stuff forever and, and forever mil- millions of years ago orcs signed a pact with some sort of yeah like the dark like sauron basically yeah but lost but and lost so, and so everyone like 2000 hates years though it's like specifically like 2000 years but what i liked about this movie actually is that yeah. i knew that that was the kind of the basic premise but i thought that these creatures had showed up recently. I didn't realize that it was literally just like the world that they build in this movie is like, it's as if it's just always been that way. Yeah. Like we've evolved alongside each other 
Right. So there's like, there's the, the nice thing is that there's not, for me anyway, there's not like a hurdle. It's just established. It's just one of those movies where they give you enough credit that you fucking can just take it at face value and just be like, oh, they don't need to explain how mythical creatures came to exist. You know, like a lot of even fantasy movies do that. They're like, you know, and then there was elves and then these elves left and they became dark. It's not like that. Yeah. It's, I was thinking about Warcraft, you know what I mean? Yeah. And But what's interesting about it is that the whole movie is clearly just like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, allegory? Allegory for race relations. Yeah. Particularly race relations as they stand right now. Or analogy, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know, as things are going right now. And so the plot of the movie is that in this world, um, an orc, like the first orc cop uh, in L.A., has it's part of a diversity program basically where it's like sort of like uh fuck man so many brain farts been what's the word i'm looking for uh affirmative action affirmative action like where they're like okay we're going to integrate this orc into the police force yeah and his partner just ends up being will smith who's kind of like a middle of the grant you know he's not like some high-ranking hot shot he's just like a guy that's just trying to fucking make a living put in his ears so that he gets his fucking um uh pension you know like he just like that's he, yeah you know it's just like kind of like a, da- a down on his luck kind of they're really good at at setting up the orc to be sympathetic from the get-go because his intro is like hey man you want a burrito <laughs> like i'll get you a burrito yeah, you know? and Will Smith gets shot. Yeah, and so then they, and they all hate him. Yeah, there's hatred on both sides because the orcs feel like this orc has sold them out. You know, like he's like a he's like a traitor. He's like uh, even the orcs that aren't like because I don't know it's good. It's what I liked about it is there's enough nuance. You know, like yeah, it even has more nuance than like a fantasy movie where orcs are just inherently evil creatures. Like this shows that like they they did something that maybe a lot of them regret you know, mm-hmm. in the past. And now they're just trying to coexist. Some of them embrace it and they live like this sort of gang lifestyle where they still worship this sort of like dark Lord and they kind of operate in the shadows. And some of them clearly just want to like be just like, they just want to live their lives. Right. And, uh, there's also different types of orcs, which is kind of established. There's ones that have certain types of, uh, tusks and other ones. Anyway, there's like a whole thing. We don't need to go into that. Cause part of that meat is, I think what's enjoyable about watching the movie. Well, I, to just to kind of build on that for a second, because they do mention it, he he shaves his his teeth down to look like human teeth, so he doesn't have these like giant tusks or mm. whatever. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I thought it was just naturally he was just like a different type of work that just. No, at one point the guy says like you even fucking you know whatever cut your teeth to look like them. You just fuck like. Oh, that's interesting. Calling him a traitor and shit, you know, because uh, he doesn't want to scare people or whatever. But like. Yeah, so there's a lot of nuance to this film. Yeah, it's great. And, and it's very much about race, obviously. Yeah, and, and just class. To continue the premise just a little bit, so you have a little bit more to go on. Basically, they answer a call, and the call brings them to a house where there's just been like some crazy shit has gone down. Like there, there's fucking bodies everywhere, and they're like, ooh, this, you know, they're going to like call in for backup. They do call in for backup. Uh, and they discover there's like magic at play and, yeah. the, and the way they treat the scene. Once again, they don't like explain it over much. It's yeah. basically just like, it's established that magic is not that common. No, everybody knows it exists, but it's not like, you know, you don't, exp- you don't see it every day. Like there's fairy creature. There's literally fairies, but like there's, there's weird creatures, but like, there's not like magic spells and magic is like very dangerous and people are scared of it. Yeah. And so, 
you know, they, they, this scene, this crime scene that they're at, there's been magic, magic used. And then they discover that there's like this magic wand and that's sort of like what kicks off the movie. It's also very interesting because they say, at least with humans, uh, it's possible for humans to use magic, but it's only like 5% of the population and any of the other 95% of the population that attempt to use magic just die. Yeah. And we don't know what the stats are for elves because I imagine like the way that most of the people, because there's also elves in this that play a large part of this movie, like most of the people involved in this are afraid of magic, elf, human, or otherwise. Yeah. So uh, the elves are sort of like just super rich and they rule the world, basically. They're mm-hmm. like the ruling class. They're like the 1%. They're super wealthy. Humans kind of run the gamut, the human, like they would today. We don't really see a lot of dwarves. There's one dwarf character, but he's not a. He doesn't physically look like a dwarf. Who's that? I'm pretty sure isn't the partner of the, the, the Fed that huge guy that has oh. like the. That's like what dwarves look like in this. Oh, I he's think. supposed to be a dwarf. Okay, I don't know. Makes, I could be wrong. That, that makes was just sense, sort of what though. I picked up on because yeah, they talk about been. them a little bit. Yeah. Um. And then there's like, there's still just. You could, like Koji said, you could remove all the magic elements and it's still like end of watch because the neighborhood that they find this crime scene in is on the turf of like the, the, you know, like the Latin Kings or the cartel or whatever they are. And they're basically like, they find out that there's a wand and they're like, oh, it's ours. It's on our turf. Yeah. And the movie's basically about these two partners just who don't really get along Mm -hmm. trying to just survive the night basically because there's all this crazy shit going on. And like it's gangsters shooting guns at them. It's not like guys with like bows and arrows and like whatever. It's And it's not even mystical creatures. Even orcs with guns. Yeah. It's not, it's not, the only thing that's fantasy about it is the races and some of the humor, which is great. But it's like, that's what is kind of cool about it. I think, you know, it's, if you play video games and read comics, you're fucking Warhammer, you know? Like, this yeah. is not the first time that fantasy has been combined with, like, more modern stuff. But mm-hmm. they did it in a way that's so, um, in some cases, obvious, but, like, yeah. interesting because it hadn't been done before. Like, I love but, I yeah. love the sequence. There's, a, Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say that there's a scene that's, like, almost Training Day-esque where Will Smith pulls up on a, a bunch of, or they both do, him with the orc. They, he pulls up on, like, a bunch of orcs and he's just like, Yo, get the fuck out of here. Like That's exactly the scene I was going to talk oh. about. Where he s- says the sh- with the Shrek jokes. Yeah. yeah where he's yeah. just like, go back home to Fiona. Like, he's just like <laughs> up in this guy's face. And yeah. they're just these like like eight huge fucking guys. Like, they're like giant orcs, but they're wearing like gangster, what you would typically associate with gangsters. But instead of it being like... uh the language on it is not English. It's like these weird like scripts and stuff and they're yeah. wearing like flat brim hats. It's basically almost like a Cholo style sort of, you know, like yeah. the re- and everything, but they're like, the makeup is amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I don't know. It's great. Like, I, I really, I liked it a lot. Like I watched it and I was like, oh, this was good. They built a great universe and they're making a sequel. Yeah, so. I'm excited. I actually, after I watched it, I was like, that was cool. Could have been better, but I liked a lot of it. But what I would really like to see is actually like a TV show. Like I would like to see this yeah, be like a cop show. Where that's it's what just I was about thinking. The, you know what I mean? About them. Well, so here's what I'm going to do. It would just be so expensive. Can you imagine Will Smith today? Will in Post-2017, Will Smith, Joel Egerton, that level of production value in a TV, like a cop yeah. procedural TV show taking place in LA, it would be like as expensive as Game of Thrones. Yeah. It would be insane. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, when we do some of these movies and uh, if we like them Mm. I'm going to read some of the negative reviews from reviewers 
the critic okay. reviews. That's and idea. if we don't like it, I'm going to read some of the positives. You know? Okay. But uh, so, you know, new year, new new rundown. Um, finally, high fantasy for the sunglasses on the back of the headset. <laughs> was one of... <laughs> oh, that was from AV Club. That's... God, it's not in accurate that's pretty funny but like it's still an enjoyable movie like i don't know okay from (laughs) (laughs) from up rocks that's good from up rocks we have you can't spell law force without orc and you can't spell david ayer's 12th cop movie without why develop is it a dare (laughs) (laughs) clever girl these are all so scathingly (laughs) like fucking you just pick I can Kay. just picture what these people look like writing the, <laughs> writing these lines. They think they're so pithy and clever. Here you go. CNN. Yep. Bright is a bloated, expensive mess. A Netflix movie with blockbuster aspirations and fairy-sized brains. Stupid. Um, and then Richard Roper from the Chicago Sun-Times says, Bright is basically a tired buddy cop movie dressed up in bizarre trappings. Yes, it is. I agree with that. But what makes it new again is because it's like it's using the the fantasy to express the nuances of real life. Yeah. I Look, I, I remember reading something probably on Rotten Tomatoes, just a quote, uh, like a per comment in like the, the thread at the bottom. Yeah. Where somebody said something about how, sh- you know, like in the first five minutes of the movie, there's an actual line that says fairy lives don't matter today. Yeah, and like the person, it's like the person judged the entire movie based on that one corny line, which I get. People do that all the time, but like, yeah, I give you Star Wars, every Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like if people can fucking love Star Wars for all the amazing things it it does, and get over some of the just heinously bad dialogue choices, and you know, like they look at it with this like nostalgic, you know, we, I get it. It's like a new movie that came out, whatever, but like. That's not that big of a deal to me. You know what I mean? There's a definitely a couple a couple cringeworthy lines, but I don't know. I'd give them a pass. I'd give them a pass on those lines for sure. Yeah. Uh, to me, that scene when that happens was enough of a novelty to me watching like a very typical portrayal of like a front yard barbecue of sort of these thug types you know in a like rough neighborhood of la with that a cop lives next to yeah and everything about the sequence is like a very typical will smith like even in bad boys like how he interacts with people that on another day he might arrest like they're kind of an uneasy truce but then in the middle of it there's like a i love a fairy like and nobody thinks it's weird i love will smith being will smith and i was afraid i I miss him I was like, oh, no. When it, before we started watching this, I was like, oh, no. Like, he's just going to shoot at his Will Smith shit. Because, like, I'm very hit or miss with some <laughs> of that. But, like, Woo! I loved when he was talking to him. He's just, like, telling him, like, I can't so even. go like, oh, keep on doing gangster shit on your front <laughs> line. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to sell my house over here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very. This is, it was, like, old Men in Black, Bad Boys era, which I love. Yeah. That's the best part of Men in Black. Men in Black is about an organization of like old white square people yeah. being shaken up by a guy that's like just as good, if not better than them, who's from this like other, you know? And it's like yeah. a very of its time. People are still making movies like that where it's like fucking black and white. But like, I don't know. It just, I, 
this is good, man. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I just had fun watching it. It was a fun movie. Yeah. And if you don't think it's a fun movie, I'm fucking, I don't know, man. I don't even know if you're capable of having fun when you watch a movie. But I love, you know, from like a more meta perspective. The music sucked, though. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> but from from a more meta perspective, I love that like Netflix does not give a fuck. I know. It's great. Do you know? They're just like, because like any other, any other organization whatsoever. This could have been Geostorm. Would it just be like, oh no, fuck this! We gotta scrap this immediately. Like everyone hates this movie. Or your Warner Brothers, you and know. You kind of do make movies like this, and they're they just end up being DC movies. Well, yes and no, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, in a way that's kind of true. But the reason I love this, and it proves something, right? Like, I think that in a in a world where you have to go to a theater mm-hmm. and give that theater your money and go out of your way to watch a movie. The critics have a generally have a lot of say. Yeah. If a movie is not good, I mean superhero movies. I see what you're saying. Superhero yeah. movies aside, because there's a certain amount of personal, not just, not nostalgia, but like personal sort of adoration or whatever you want to like call it towards these characters that that people have. Like no matter how many bad Batman movies were made in like the 90s and 2000s, right? Yeah. As soon as the Dark Knight Begins. What was it called? Batman uh, Begins. Batman Begins came out. People were like, yes, I'm in. Like, yeah. it didn't matter how many Mr. Freezers or Riddlers or whatever came before. Yeah. They're just like, no, I'm th- this movie, I'm in. Right? And so, like, I think the same thing happens with anything that's Superman or Spider-Man or I whatever. I was really ready to like Man of Steel, and then I didn't. Sure. Based on the trailer, I was like, so, oh, this is going to be, finally, somebody's going to do, this is going to be sick. Those movies aside... Right, like if a movie comes out and ever, all people hear, and we we've experienced this so many times. Like think about Mordecai, yeah. right? All people hear is like, oh, this, there's no way this movie can be good. Mm-hmm. No one is going to go see it. But I promise you, if those movies had come out on Netflix, mm-hmm. people would be watching it. Yeah, and and I'm sure enough people would watch it that the they'd be like, critics are less ga- they're not gatekeepers as much as they used to be because the, of the democratization of fucking every the content content creation all that stuff everything is like more accessible i mean but it's not just accessibility right because let's just say netflix had a different model you had to pay for every movie you wanted to watch you Mm -hmm. rented them from netflix you know i think less people would have watched bright sure right but because of the way the model works it's like okay you know fuck it i got nothing to do i'll just watch this and watch this and watch this and watch that Mm -hmm. and and i you know, this goes back to a conversation that we had off mic, but I think that if we had theater subscriptions here, mm-hmm. you know, I think that would totally change the the movie game in general. It's, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. But I think that this proves that, like, regardless of of what, you know, the media at large has to say about something, yeah, you know, it, it can still be successful. Success- successful enough that there's going to be a sequel. And almost immediately, like they announced it, what, like a week after the movie came out, they're like, okay, fuck it, we're doing another. Yeah, I don't know how much they paid Will Smith, but clearly he's on board. Unless he's not on board and it's a different story within that world. Oh, yeah, okay, sweet. No, no, he already said that he was was in. Yeah, it's good. It's fun, man. And it has funny moments. I actually, again, this is probably another cringeworthy moment for some people, but I liked when uh, it's almost like they wanted to get it out of the way. The makeup is like... I think is like really incredible. Like everything feels natural in it. Yeah. And, uh, but the orcs, they don't have a lot of expression. 
Mm-hmm. And so the scene where they're in the car at the beginning and he's like, uh, Nick, which is the orc's name, yeah, is basically just like telling Will Smith that he he looks like he's lacking conjugal love. Like that's what he needs. Yeah. And Will Smith's just like basically like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? And he's just like, I can see it in your face. And he's just like, oh, yeah, like you see in my face. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is what your face looks like. But he doesn't really change his face. It just looks like a scowl. Yeah. And Will Smith is just like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Like, uh, what about uh, what is uh, what other faces you got? And he's like, oh, like, I'm really good at doing human faces. And yeah. then all his faces just look the same. It's like an orc scowling. Yeah. That's great. No, but but then <laughs> I, I, I like he's like. Well, what's oh, shut the fuck yeah. up. Can, can, can you do a can you do a face of a of a partner who talks too much and needs to shut the fuck up? Oh, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. fun, man. It's a fun movie. I would yeah. even wa- I would watch it again. Yeah. yeah. I I yeah, I liked it, man. I got to say I liked it. I would love to almost be able to experience movies in a vacuum. Do you know yeah. what I mean by that? Like Yeah. See if we could somehow get this podcast to the point where we could see movies before the general public, or before yeah, before the public, or just before any sort of reviews yeah. came out. How amazing would that be? That'd be sweet. We could do a section of we could do podcasts where it'd just be called "You Gotta Love It" in before. You wouldn't with even, like be with a B and a four. You wouldn't even know. Like, would it be a hidden gem? Is it? Is it? Uh, you gotta love it. We don't. You yeah, don't it know. Changes the game. Changes yeah. the game. We could still talk about movies in the same way, but it wouldn't be movie. Yeah, it would yeah. T- totally take that element. At, yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man. I, I, it's become fairly common now. You know how mm-hmm. other people react to movies, and then how we interpret them, based on this show. And uh, I don't know. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But it makes certainly makes makes things interesting. Yeah. Lots to talk about. Lots to talk about, and lots of potential stuff this year coming out that I think will really be polarizing like what i don't know i just feel like there's a lot of big movies cut you know like there's the han solo movie late this year is that's this year still right or did it get pushed until 2019 i think that's this year and that's some you know like they change directors there's a lot of this last star wars movie has been so divisive that like (laughs) it can't help but affect what is happening with solo Mm -hmm. um you got as usual, you got big Marvel movies coming out. There's three Marvel movies coming out this year. And, I'd, and you know, I, I don't think people are... I think they're going to do well, you know? But I still think that it's like people on our level, mm-hmm. some people are getting tired of them, you know? So I think that Black Panther, everybody's really excited for. There's very high expectations for this movie. And I think that um, it's going to be interesting hearing... There's so much talk about whitewashing in Hollywood and like, you know, all of this stuff that like this first superhero movie that's going, that's this high profile, that's going all in, you know, it's like a virtually an all black cast. Yeah. They got Kendrick Lamar doing the soundtrack with mm-hmm. some like original music, like the first time Marvel's done something like that. They're doing all this shit. And I think I'm excited. I think it's going to be great no matter what, but like there's potential for, I, f- I just, f- I get the feeling there's people out there that almost want it to fail. Not like they want, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. that you can already hear the sort of activist set being like, okay, this is their opportunity. But when the movie comes out, they're going to be like, okay, here's all the things they did wrong. You know what I mean? Right. And like, if that voice is loud enough, you know, it's not going to take much for this movie to have one misstep well, that well, fucking breaks the movie. You yeah, know so what there, I mean? There, there's two sides to it, right? There's the one or three sides, right? There's the one side who's like, who's like, 
you know, clearly racist or whatever, and they want this movie to fail, and then they're going to be like... Yeah, black superheroes just don't work. Yeah, yeah. fuck that. And then there's going to be the people that are like, this movie's not black enough. <laughs> yeah. You know? They're just like, this doesn't represent me. This is like a fucking yeah. pale representation of black people. What yeah. are we just This like, is in Africa? Yeah. What, we, Wakanda's supposed to be in Africa? This is bullshit. Yeah. We're not here to dance for you, whatever. Like, yeah. there, there's that, right? And then hopefully most people will be somewhere in the middle so that it, it can be enjoyed as a film. Mm-hmm. My only fear is because it is the first um, black superhero and there's all this stuff sort of surrounding it. They didn't, like it's, it, from the previews, it doesn't seem very very grounded in reality. And mm-hmm. I think that that might take a lot of people out of it. I mean... Luke Cage, man. What's that? People can just hit up Luke Cage. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I agree with you on that, but like it seems more Guardians of the Galaxy than it yeah. does... I don't know, Iron Man or something. Yeah, well, I think the interesting thing, also having just recently read World of Wakanda, the the um, Ta-Nehisi Coates. I wonder if he's going to be in the movie. Black Panther uh, comic, which was incredible. I recommended it. If you didn't listen to that episode, everybody should definitely go out and read that. You should lend it to me so I can read it. Okay, I will. It's uh, it's about the idea of like, kind of Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. I think is like tied into it, which I. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, mainstream, at least in Hollywood, even in video games, that doesn't really, it exists here and there if you know where to look for it. But the idea that like, uh, you know, we we all have a very clear perception in the Western world, pretty much everywhere outside of Africa of what Africa is, you know? It's like this failed nation that's been pillaged and fucking, there's all this horrible shit wrong with it. But Black Panther about the idea of like a secret see a civilization kept secret that is like very african but like african in a science fiction way. like i don't know yeah. it's very interesting there's a lot of interesting things at play so i think it's going to be good but yeah anyway I, I don't know i just i got a bit off track there i was just saying that i think there's a lot of movies even the other superhero movies like uh you know like avengers the first avengers part three Right. You know, like that's going to be such a big blockbuster. Blockbusters didn't do necessarily that well this past year. You've got Ocean's 8, like an all all female. Like there's just a lot yeah. of movies that I think like on paper and the trailers, like I'm excited for them, but it just feels like in today's climate and given what happened with movies last year, it's going to be interesting to see. And the Me Too movement, like yeah. there's just like a lot of movies that on paper are like, oh yeah, that's like a fucking winner for sure. But yeah. so I think there's going to be an interesting mixture of hidden gems and you got to love it for us to, to look at this year where film is concerned. Cause like mm-hmm. shit is t- kind of crazier than it's been at least in our lifetimes for this kind of stuff. There's like so much scrutiny. There's so many ways of accessing, you know, there's so many platforms. There's so much. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Crazy year. Hopefully we get into some VR shit, you know? Yeah, I would love to. That Coco VR experience was amazing. I saw Coco on the break. Did you? And that's going to, well, that kind of leads us into our next segment. Oh, your recommendations. Well, it's Coco. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everyone who I know who has seen it loves it. Well, that's interesting because I haven't, I don't know a lot of people that have seen it. And it's like the new Pixar movie and it's like the first one that I feel like, even Finding Dory, more people I know saw it. And like Coco, at yeah. least in my circles, a lot, it kind of it has almost become a hidden gem. Well, it, I think part of it, from a from like a business perspective, is it's a lot harder to market to to children than some of the other yeah, things because it's all about dead people and death. Well, that and uh, if it's you think not back American culture about Pixar films, <laughs> yeah, um, it is the f- yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the first one that's not 
I mean, it is kind of fantasy, but it's not fantasy based in like. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I, I, I really, I do. I'm not trying to cut you off. I just yeah, like yeah. straight up like, and that's exactly why people should see it. I had a conversation with Tom. I mean, first of all, it's just a fucking gorgeous movie. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. It's so beautiful. It's so, there's been so much love and care put into that movie that it's like, it blows the mind. Um, but as an adult, mm-hmm. once again, you know, even still today, I think people are frequently very dismissive of movies that are like family films. Something Pixar has always done really well is that they make movies that are family films that adults can enjoy. You know, like there's stuff there that kids won't pick up on. The movies aren't really juvenile. Yeah. You know, they have things that kids will absolutely love, but that they're enjoyable for an adult to watch. And another thing that Pixar has done really well is they they frequently, and Tom has, uh, and, and I were talking about this, and Tom was talking about an interview he watched, I think possibly with Pete Doctor, And he was just basically saying like, Pixar makes movies about problems that can't be solved. Okay. In that they're not, it's, it, even though the movie has a, a resolution. Yeah. It's about things like, like take Toy Story, right? The Toy Story th- trilogy. Yeah. Toy Story 3, you can't not get old. Right. You know? Uh, and Up. Up is another good one. Up deals with like the idea that like, it, it deals very candidly in in a touching way, but it's like very straightforward about death, you know? Yeah. And about like making the most of it. You know, there's just like all of these heavy themes and a lot of them uh, are treated in kind of a lighthearted way, but like it's why Pixar movies make people cry, you know? Like they deal with things that everybody can relate to at some point in their life. Right. And they're not things that are solvable problems. It's not just like, oh, if we fix this and everybody's happy at the end of the movie then we're good, you know? That may be the case. Everybody may be happy, but it's not because they fixed something. Right. That it's, a, it's like they they grew as characters. They grew as people. They have an understanding of something. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not like a, a, a clean fix-it-all solution. And this movie, possibly more than any other Pixar movie I can think about, like it is totally about that, you know? Right. It's about death. <laughs> like the yeah, movie yeah. is about memory and death. Like that's... And it's a family movie, and it, I think that they've done it in a very masterful way. And I think part of what allows them to do that is they made the movie through the lens of it's also the Pixar movie that feels completely, to me, mm-hmm. as an outsider, yeah. American. It doesn't feel Western. It feels Mexican. Like it feels like they did their due diligence, you know, in the casting and the research they did, in the design, everything about it. It feels very, I mean, exotic kind of sounds like the wrong word to use, but it does feel very different, you know? Even right. movies that took place not in small town America and Pixar, you know, whether it was like Bu- uh, Bugs Life or uh, Finding Nemo or fucking Wally, all of those movies still felt like the design of objects and everything, the setting still felt very Western. Yeah. This movie does not feel like that at all. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, like the, fr- it's the first one, uh, I think, that like really... I mean, I guess you could argue Frozen's like Nordic or something, but like it's the first one. Disney. That's Disney, not Pixar. Oh, well, but even still, it's the first one that's like of any of those movies that I think really takes like a serious um, non-American flair, you know? Maybe recently. Like Mulan is a good example. That's true. I think it's a good example. I meant 3D animated, but yeah. Yeah, 3D animated for sure. That's true. For sure. Um, But yeah, okay. So my recommendation is not anything like that. It is uh, an album that dropped, I believe, 
January 1st or maybe somewhere very, Jeff clo- very close to January 1st. Yeah, it's Jeff Rosenstock's post. Yeah. Post dash. Fucking great record. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. Love to have you on the show, by the way, if you're listening. Yeah. Can somebody, does anybody know Jeff Rosenstock? Because he just, fuck, man. I'm going to be ta- uh, talking to Tiny Moving Parts. That should be cool. Not Jeff Rosenstock. What? For Crystal Ballroom? Yeah. Yeah. What? That's amazing. I'm trying to get some of the others on that show, but a little Oso Oso, that'd be nice. That's, that's a good bill. Um, that's a good bill. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, J- Jeff Rosenstock's post. Really good. If you liked Worry. Um, or I, anything he's ever done. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you'd like this <laughs> album. I mentioned Worry only because it's probably, to date, the most popular thing that he's done. You know? Right, yeah, Bomb the Music Industry is kind of... Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For I sure, mean, for sure. You, you can't so, walk into a record store now and not see what a guy that kind of looks like um, fucking what's his name, um, fucking the host of the Daily Show. What's his name? Trevor Noah. No, the old host. John Stewart. No, sorry, not the Daily Show. <laughs> a guy that looks like Stephen Colbert in the middle <laughs> of a dance floor, going like, "Woo!" You know? Yeah. He looks like Stephen Colbert the, on the cover of Worry. Yeah. You don't, I don't think don't so? Know. No, I don't think so. Hold on. I'm going to pull this up. But uh, yeah, anyway, so post. Check it out. It's a great album. I'm going to um, I'm gonna put it at the end of the uh, song from that album at the end of... Uh, what song are you going to queue up? You know what my favorite song in the record is right now? You have a favorite already? Yeah. Okay. Nine out of ten. Track nine. Okay. Fucking... Man, he's just... He just gets it. He knows what's up. Yeah. And his music is so self-aware. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's, anyway. It's, it's really it's interesting. And uh, I, would you way call, to start off 2018. Would you call it, um, would you call it punk? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to wade into a genre, a, a labeling conversation at the end of this episode. But I think in my head, I, I would categorize it with all my favorite punk, pop punk, fucking post-hardcore emo all those bands i kind of just categorize as punk but like yeah. you know i know there's going to be people that take issue with that but it just has all of the sort of trademarks of the things that i like about that kind of music you know mm-hmm. i also feel like his music even the way that he produces his music has a sort of you know the subject matter how he puts it out yeah okay okay yeah 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 i see what you're saying right Similar yeah, he just do? looks so small that he just... I don't know, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert, sure. That's um, all I think about when I look at the album. Uh, um, yeah, you should queue up 9 out of 10. It's yeah. a great song. But if you haven't ever heard Jeff Rosenstock, I would do a little bit of a of a dive and just... Also watch his videos. Watch your videos. Listen to the lyrics. It's very... Uh, Always listen to the lyrics. You should listen to the lyrics of everything that you listen to. Yeah, but I think that there are certain artists where... It it makes it that much better. Yeah. Do you definitely. know what I mean? Like absolutely. Yeah. It, it's lyrical music. It's right. music driven by the right the songwriting, the lyric. Like I don't think people are listening to cursive and being like, "Ooh, those sweet melodies that he is singing." You True. know, it's like, oh, yeah. this guy is just like really gets what's going on. Yeah. Whereas, like, or you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of pop music, not just pop music. I can't paint with that brush, but there's a lot of music out there that like you could listen to without paying attention to the lyrics and be like, this is a good song, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So, but th- I think that's what most people do. Right. As a generalization. Well, yeah. that's why I'm telling them like in this instance, engage with that shit. Listen to the lyrics because you won't be let down. Or maybe it's just like too No, no. Just listen to them. It's fine. Gets real. Yeah. Sometimes. He yeah. gets real. Uh It's like uh dope. Nothing will ever um Nothing will ever get me more than, and I think about this all the time, and I'm listening to guys like Jeff Rosenstock or like Cursive or whatever. Um, there's a line in a Cursive song where he says, I'm so reflective, I'm a mirror. And I'm like, yeah. Some of these guys just fucking live for self-reflection. Have you two things? The first time I saw Jeff Rosenstock or even really heard him as Jeff Rosenstock yep. was at a great show. It was Modern Baseball, Jeff oh. Rosenstock and Pup. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. yeah, and he fucking blew my mind. I was like, who? And I think Tiny Moving Parts? A bunch of modern all-stars Somebody else was there. there. Oh, it was sick. It was incredible. It was before Modern Baseball went on their hiatus. and uh, That show was fucked up, though, because a kid got fucking kicked, and the, f- the show had to stop. The- anyway, whatever. I'm getting way off track here. Mm-hmm. Um, one final thing. Yeah. Drawn a huge blank, though. On? It was some- It was a tangent from Jeff Rosenstock. I don't know. Huh, whatever. I was I just guess saying it wasn't how, how reflective all this shit is, but uh, but did he tell like an anecdote or something at the show? Or no, like, man. Say some some like huge self-reflective thing that we're all g- no. some nugget of truth that we're all gonna miss out on. No. If I remember before next episode, I'll let you know then. All right. Uh, anyway, keep loving it, motherfucker. Send us suggestions. Do it. Oh yeah, mailbag at loveitpod dot com. And follow us on Instagram at loveitpod. I should start Instagramming more. Yeah, it'll just all be pictures of Kiba and barbecue. Kiba and barbecue and classic cars. <laughs> all right, take it easy, guys. <laughs>